Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the only podcast in our fair city that talks about our schools, their sports teams, and our community at large. We are coming to you from an undisclosed location here on Long Beach. We're sitting at the round table doing some work, getting ready to go to a softball game, but we need to get the podcast in this week, and we've got an interesting story angle to talk to you about. As always, this show is part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post, and we are the 562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Rodavasio, and our partnership with the Long Beach Post covers so much more than just sports coverage. Obviously, you've got all your sports coverage at the 562, but we're doing a ton of education coverage for the Long Beach Post, including covering the recent uh, negotiations between the Long Beach Unified School District and its two biggest unions. And I... I'm Tyler Hendrickson. I got to make a quick correction here early in the podcast. JJ referred to this as a round table, but it is more of an oval. That's so fair. whip up that glass of oval teen. And, Should have uh, called it round teen. Listen along. It's gold, Jerry. It's gold. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with the roundabout that the Long Beach Post has been reporting on? Do you know the roundabout? Oh, the thing with about? the large uh, you talking about the football in the middle of it? Yeah. No, there is no. a roundabout in Long Beach, but not the one that's been in topic recently. Because I've had to drive around these footballs. In the middle of the street. And They're not, not roundabouts. About. They're oval abouts. Right. <laughs> so I was just talking to one of our former writers, James Crabtree, about this. Like, hold on. They cannot call these roundabouts. But yes, there was a major accident over one of them. <laughs> and the city said, well, it was only the one accident. It prevented a lot more accidents. He's like, yeah, you have to just drive around it. Oh, that dude who looked like the Dukes of Hazard. Is that the one you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. The Duke Boys. Yes. I remember if that. If it was a circle, he would have gotten around it. It was oval. Well, and you, you know, need to calculate for those extra two feet on each side. And fair point, if you lived in one of those houses, you probably wouldn't buy the argument that something that's launching cars <laughs> onto your front yard is making you safer. <laughs> and circle gets the square. Uh, the 562 is a nonprofit uh, media outlet here in the city of Long Beach. We only operate because of the support of the Long Beach community. That means listeners and readers like you, but also our sponsors as well. Um, you can go on the website and see a full list of all of our school and sports sponsors, which we appreciate. Obviously, Naples Rib Company, longtime sponsor of everything that we do. Got a shout out Ocean Law Center as well for their support. Um, guys, it's it's we've really been feeling the love lately uh, from, from everyone in the community kind of coming forward and saying, how can I support you guys? How can I help? And really, it's it's a unique model that we have where we try to explain to people how it's like PBS. You know, it's like we want to serve the community. We want to be here for the public. We want to cover as many athletes as we can. But ultimately, it takes money to make this operation run. And so if you're interested in seeing the 562 do even more and to keep us around for the foreseeable future, find a way to support. Send any of us an email. Come up to us at games. We'd be happy to talk about ways to keep the 562 around for decades to come. Also, can I quickly just shout out uh, our, our high school interns that Absolutely. have continued to do a great job. That's one of the things and one of the ways that we can give back to the community with funding that we've gotten. You know, we're able to, to spend our time kind of molding the next generation of, of journalists in the city and beyond. We've, we're so proud of the people that we work with going on and getting jobs at other places. And now it's like we can get in the game a little earlier and start to work with high school kids that have just been impressing us all year long with this new internship program. 
they have been very impressive. You can also check out some of that information on the website where you're going to find everything broken down by schools and sports, which is another way you can support the 562.org. I'm looking at you, Lakewood, St. Anthony. You know, these schools don't have sponsors yet, and there are people in the community who I know would be interested in doing something like that. So if you're from a school that doesn't yet have a sponsorship, don't worry. There's time. There are seasons you can get behind and you can just hit us up. Like Tyler said, we've got the easiest emails in the world. It's JJ or Mike or Tyler at the562.org. Now, this week on the pod, like I said, we are uh, we are doing this in the oval table. So the <laughs> pops, cracks, and creaks that you might hear is just us typing away, getting some work done. But while we do that, we wanted to make sure to remind people of something that we think is forgotten sometimes. And, and it is just good timing for this conversation. We've had it before on the pod, and I'm sure we'll have it again there are things happening in this city that are reminding us that Long Beach is a volleyball city. You can go for hours talking about the history of football and baseball and aquatics and the Olympics and all of those things. But when it comes down to the come down consistently throughout the history of this city, volleyball has been the premier sport for people who are paying close attention like us. And, and we're going to explain why that is the case. I think you can obviously start... At the high school level, you could obviously start at the Long Beach State level. You could even go as far as to say that the most famous beach volleyball player of all time calls Long Beach her second home. So there are so many ways you can start this, but at the end of the day, I think that the hardware and the importance of the sport in the city are the two things that make Long Beach a volleyball city. Yeah, and if I can just be a little bit, I mean, hopefully not boring, but super informative and go back to like the actual historical elements of this, the actual geography of our beach is a big part of why volleyball was adopted early on in Long Beach. The uh, famous longness of the beach. <laughs> But, but also, it's a, it's not just that it's big, but it's also flat, right? And if you've ever gone and parked down by where the Belmont is, you know that there's a lot of courts there. People have been playing beach volleyball in Long Beach for a long time. Um, but on the indoor side, this city adopted volleyball very early as well. A lot of that is to do with the, uh, the ethnic makeup of Long Beach. Um, we had a lot of Asian people. We had a lot of Japanese people in Long Beach. Volleyball is a very big sport with. But the more league added girls volleyball as a sport, earlier than almost any other league in Southern California. Um, and boys volleyball similarly was, you know, was added, uh, I believe in the early nineties, um, before most schools were really even looking at boys volleyball as a viable high school sport. So there was genuinely early adoption and JJ mentioned the history of the collegiate level. Um, even before Brian Gimilaro was winning NCAA championships with the women's volleyball team, if you go back to Dixie Grimet and the like pre-NCAA, pre-Title IX history of women's sports, Long Beach State was winning AIAW national championships in women's volleyball before there were even scholarships, when this was just a club sport, when Pat Summit was the, the basketball coach for the first time at, at the University of Tennessee and was driving players around in a van by herself. Like that's how early and on board with this sport the city of Long Beach was. And then obviously... In part because of that, there's been so much success. But it, but you look at the hiring of Brian Gimilaro at Long Beach State, Alan Knipe uh, following in his coach's uh, footsteps at Long Beach State, has had that top-level success as well that I think if you're an 8-year-old kid, and I know this because I've got kids, you see someone winning a national championship, that automatically inspires you to think about that sport a little bit differently. Same as, same as with water polo. 
Yeah, no, I think anytime you look at a sport and you say, you know, how is this sport so big? It always comes down to coaches, right? There's always going to be a couple coaches where you're like, okay, they really took it to the next level. I mean, like you said, the the ground was fertile, you know, with the with the early implementations and, and kind of the, you know, the cultural makeup of the city and, and all of that. But then when you have a coach come in, and I think, you know, Brian Gimilaro is the best example because he was here for so long and a Hall of Famer, obviously won national championships at Long Beach State, which is not easy to do for mid-majors to win national championships and to be that upper echelon of the sport. And and credit to, to Coach Jim Alaro for, you know, early on, Long Beach State really embraced diversity and had black players on the team and, that was, and, and was dominating teams because they were opening up to, you know, just a broader pool of talent. And, and credit to being an, you know, an early pioneer in that. And now you see all across the country, women's volleyball gets a ton of investment. And it's, it's right up there in those fall sports for at all these football schools that they're pouring a ton of money. But that was not the case early on in, in the sport in the NCAA level. Well, I'd be curious to see, you know, coast to coast, if women's volleyball has more attendance and attention than basketball. You know, I know that women's basketball gets a, a, a nice pickup Um, on ESPN for their tournament right now Uh, and obviously those top level teams get a lot of attention but at your average school like a Long Beach State or um, you know even if you just kind of go around Southern California I wonder if women's volleyball is not bigger it's certainly more popular in Long Beach at the youth levels but Tyler hit it on the head you know Brian Gimilaro was recognized by the NCAA or excuse me by the NAACP um, for being the first coach to really go out and recruit black college volleyball players you know they were the first to start black players in the final four they were first to have an all-black starting uh, lineup in the ncaa tournament and he he said i've interviewed him about this several times it was a conscious decision you know he's he's italian he's from a family of immigrants and he believed in going out and helping the little guy and he's like i'd go talk to these players in texas and louisiana and they they couldn't believe that a white coach from an NCAA school was there recruiting their kids because it had never happened before. Mm-hmm. And that was something he really sought to do. Now, that's Brian Gimilaro, Italian son of immigrants who had this you know desire to do right by other communities and, and to help the underprivileged out. But also, he was the only person tapping this enormous talent pool of black athletes, particularly in the South, that as a result, when they came to Long Beach... Um, you know, they were really, they were showing out and we've, JJ and I love these stories, but you know, that first national championship team, they talked about, oh, we loved being the team of, of black girls who was going to literally get, pay each other in six packs for every ribbon they knocked (laughs) out of the hair of a white girl on the other side of the net. I mean, that is a literal story told at the Long Beach State Hall of Fame induction ceremony for that team. So, I mean, I don't think then it's an accident then if you look at, Long Beach right now, we have three All-American caliber players in the senior class uh, in the Moore League right now. Adania Falmuina at Long Beach Poly, Polynesian. She grew up seeing Polynesian volleyball players in college in Southern California. Obviously, the sport huge in the Polynesian community, which is a big part of our our fabric in Long Beach. Uh, Riley McGinnis, Willie McGinnis' daughter, also going to USC with Adania, uh, African-American. And then uh, Laura Williams, a black volleyball player at Lakewood, who's going to Oregon State and who is uh, also an All-American for Under Armour. So those players, from before they were born, this was a sport that they were represented at the highest level within their own city. And I do think that that changes the way that, you know, a community will kind of adopt a sport. And I, I really don't think you can give enough credit to Brian for that. 
Um, because he talked about, it. you know, he got snubbed for coaching awards. I mean, people really looked down on him for, um, for the same reasons that, you know, you, t- you heard plenty about Serena and Venus Williams. Anytime someone is taking an all white space and bringing in black athletes and changing the dynamic of that, um, of, of that talent pool, there's resistance to it. And he definitely felt that resistance and obviously had great success, uh, you know, in the face of that resistance, uh, which we're all very happy about. But I, I do, I think that Tyler is absolutely right. I think that that racial and ethnic uh, component of that conversation, I think that's a really big part of why it's been so widely adopted in Long Beach because it is one of the sports. You have affluent white girls, you have black girls, you have uh, but uh, black girls who are on b- both ends of the socioeconomic spectrum, by sure. the way. Sure. Polynesian kids, Hispanic kids, Southeast Asian kids. Really, like all of the different kinds of people we have in Long Beach, you've seen this distinct participation in that sport in particular. And and it does matter to have that representation. If you grow up and you see all different races playing the sport, you're going to assume that you could be that one day. You know, I think it's important for black baseball players to watch Mookie Betts and say, you know what I mean? I could be that Without as well. And, and so you, you have to establish that groundwork and then watch the next generation kind of come up and flourish. I also think, you know we can talk about the men's volleyball side as well. And that's obviously a hot topic at Long Beach State, considering they're the number two team in the country and uh, a a real national championship threat. But talk about attacking at the right place. Yeah. Because that's the sport where Long Beach, you know, let's be honest, there's not that many men's volleyball programs, right? So it's easier to be competitive, to be at the top of the sport. And what other NCAA sport would Long Beach State be able to host a national championship? Great Realistically. So the fact that you can achieve the highest levels in your sport while you also have the national team coming through the building, playing Olympic qualifiers, you're sending athletes to the national and coaches to the national team. So I think it's wisely seeing, hey, we can kind of corner the market and we can have this as a kind of core competency yeah. at Long Beach State to say, we can get to the top levels of this sport and then get our name out there and have a brand. And then hopefully all the other programs like basketball, yeah. like baseball, softball, soccer, those can kind of get lifted as well. And I think Long Beach State's done a great job investing in that program and credit to the coaching staff and the athletes for capitalizing on that investment and turning it into multiple national championships and now a secondary class where we're like, okay, they've got a group that's going to contend for titles for the next couple of years. Yeah, you can. I mean, I don't think you could argue any other way that Long Beach State has been the best men's volleyball program over the last four or five years. If you're just looking at trophies and wins and accomplishments and, and guys going on to the next level and all that stuff, it is just a one-class swing, though. Just like basketball, if you get two or three really elite guys, it changes your entire program, let alone just the team that they're on. Can't do that in football. Really can't do that in baseball, but in volleyball, you get a you get a TJ DeFalco to Aninga Ensign class. You know what I mean? That changes the game and, and it's really cool to have that type of style in the in the Walter Pyramid that that there's there's this thing and you can listen to an interview that I did with uh, Libero for Long Beach State, Mason Briggs on the LB Fee show, the, the show we do with Long Beach State Athletics Director Andy Fee every other week. And I talked to him about about this thing that kind of is like a they're like Long Beach sports has a personality, right? We've written t- countless columns about this. This defend Long Beach first thing. This like on to the next. Like who cares what just happened? Two outs, two outs. So what? Like it's it's throughout all of these things. And the volleyball team does this thing where they, after a point, if they lose it, they put their hand out. I know this is an audio audio medium, but just mm-hmm. hang with me. They put their hand out and they move their index finger around in a circle, and it it's basically saying like on to the next one, next ball, next ball. Like, that next ball attitude is so perfectly Long Beach 
and it's also so perfectly volleyball that it's just another example of how much this city is a volleyball city because of that because of that personality and to have that team be as good as they are with that personality makes people feel at home that's why those crowds are so huge at Walter Pyramid for this team that's why that place is going to be absolutely rocking when Hawaii comes this week for that top five matchup with Long Beach State. It's the height of the sport, and it's right here in our backyard. Well, I, I think there are brands at Long Beach State that you could say have national significance. Obviously, if you're a baseball fan or certainly if you're a college baseball fan, you probably know about the dirtbags and what that name represents at Long Beach State, right? But the difference between the Long Beach State volleyball program and those other sports is the Long Beach State women's volleyball warm-up that Brian Gimilaro put in, that's called the Long Beach warm-up. Like, that, like, you know, when you hear, if you're a football fan, you've heard of the Oklahoma drill, right? We have that in volleyball with Long Beach's name on it. Like, that, you know, it's foundational in shaping the way that the sport is played. The defensive system that Brian put in was so influential to the generations that came after him. And if you talk to, I mean, I was laughing with Mason. Um, I had to miss the podcast with JJ, but I was laughing with him this week about you can have NCAA division one coaches come in and talk to Alan Knipe. And it's like a really talented computer programmer talking to someone who's just seeing things on a different level. They're so advanced in what they do that it is like, there are guys who came to, you know, uh, Alex Nikolov is a great example of that from Bulgaria, who's a the runaway favorite for National Freshman of the Year. He came to Long Beach State because he felt like it was, as an 18-year-old, the best place on planet Earth for him to come and progress as a volleyball player. It's really hard in the analytics era to have that kind of an advantage on just like coaching, preparation, and skill development. But that meat and potatoes, you know, gritty aspect of it that JJ was just talking about they have that in the pyramid, and that's really, really special. Um, you know, and, and Alan, I've talked with Alan about that. Like, they've had the top recruit in the country in that sport come to Long Beach State multiple times over the last five years. That really says something because, with all due respect to the new dorms, with all due respect to the place that all three of us graduated, if you go walk around Westwood, you know, you go walk around UCLA's campus for 10 minutes and then go walk around Long Beach State. I love Long Beach and Long Beach State. But it's a big deal to pull kids away from some of those other programs. And it says a lot about how much faith everyone has in the development they're getting in the pyramid that they've been that successful over, as you mentioned now, a couple of generations of kids. Well, and you also have the benefit of being kind of the BMOC in a different way, you know, because it's you're not going to be able to break above the men's basketball or football programs at UCLA. But at Long Beach State, the men's volleyball team, they're drawing the biggest crowds and they have the biggest energy in the student section. They have a big national championship poster, right? Absolutely. And also, I think, you know, you brought up the international flavor of it. And let's be honest, the Long Beach State has had success with some local homegrown talent, but generally speaking, you're not going to be an elite level men's volleyball program without some international talent. I right. think we can all agree on that. Um, obviously, Alex Nikolov, uh, a glaring example of that because that dude is different. But <laughs> Southern California, the perfect place, I would think, to really you know come and, and get an idea you know and have a college experience, really see the diversity that America has to offer, and and just really have you know, not too crazy of big city living, 
but still have you know have that kind of small town feel, but also get like a really good uh, taste of what college athletics can be and, and get a fun experience. So I think they've done a really good job catering that with the analytics, with knowing that you're getting Olympic level training and yeah. you can go be a professional after this. But what a great place to spend four years of college, or or you know possibly longer than in Long Beach. You know, all due respect to the middle of the country, but. I mean, it seems like a natural fit for all these guys coming across from Europe. No, a hundred percent. And so, just to pull back to ten thousand feet, we've talked about the you know that sort of youth influence. We've talked about the importance of college and the way that the coaches uh, at the collegiate level impacted things. But I think we also just have to talk about sort of the like community fabric and places like LBCC, where Randy Tutorp is the athletic director. He's now the dean of athletics at LBCC. Randy is a volleyball guy. He played volleyball at LBCC. Played at Lakewood. Played at OBCC, uh, played at San Diego State, very successful in the sport, started his own club, but he is just a great example of the difference between Long Beach and other places. He puts in this incredible plan to redo the athletic facilities at LBCC, and central to that plan is a world-class NCAA Division I level beach volleyball pit with five courts, with video hookups and scoreboards for each court, with individual stands for each court, like, you, they don't have this at USC. They don't have this at UCLA. And we're not talking about Long Beach State. We're talking about LBCC. We're talking about a junior college that has this, that I'm laughing with the high school kids because the Moore League has just added beach volleyball as an official league sport. I'm laughing with the high school kids. Like, some of you are literally going to go to USC. And at USC, you're going to be playing in a worse beach volleyball facility than you're playing at at Long Beach Poly and Lakewood High School. Right, in, right <laughs> off of Figueroa. Isn't it like, right. Right, I think there's this right next to a huge It's literally, street. it's, it's literally right under, it's yeah. literally under the, it's in the shadow of their parking garage right, for yeah. the Galen Center. Like, <laughs> it's, I mean, and you know, and they have a great program. We have yeah. a lot of friends who've gone through that program, but like, yeah. that's, the homie that's, Haley Harvard won a national championship. Yes, there, that's yeah. what, that's what they're, you know, Joy Dennis, who's a Long Beach native, like, that's what they're working with though. Whereas at LBCC, again, I mean, it's beautiful. It catches the wind just right, just to be a breeze. Like it, it's, it, and so I think that's important. Is you just have to talk about within the fabric of different sports, you have these communities, right? And so, like the basketball community in Long Beach, second and none. If you're around the Poly basketball program, the St. Anthony basketball program, there's connections with people who are two and three and four generations prior. That are it's just different than yeah. it is in other cities and volleyball maybe more than any other sport except I don't, maybe track and field that continuity is just so strong that all those people really hang together. I'll give you an example: Missy May Trainer and her family. We mentioned the most famous beach volleyball player ever out of Long Beach State. Um, she and her family moved uh, into Orange County to have a little bit more space. They'd previously been living within walking distance of the pyramid. But even as they sort of pulled up roots and moved out of the city and into Orange County, when the Long Beach State women's volleyball program uh, had its head coach let go in the middle of this season, uh, Misty reached out to them. I mean, within a day and was like, hey, I know this is going to be really hard on the players. I'm close with the, you know, she's close with the person that they let yeah. go with Joy. But she's like, I want to come and help the players out and make sure that they know that they're supported and that the alumni are looking out for them. So she was coming to practice a couple days a week. Just to be with that team. She's not on staff. She's not an official volunteer. She just wants to make sure that those kids feel like they're taken care of and like they're not being abandoned. And I think that speaks to, and you're going to really see under Tyler Hildebrand, I think, that connectiveness with the alumni 
of that Long Beach State women's program, you're going to see that take off because that's what he and Nick McCray and Alan Knight did with the men's program, right? You go to a men's volleyball match, you see an Olympian who played on that team every time you go. So I think that's really important. And I do think that's a big driver when we talk about keeping it in the community. Why has this sport flourished so much over the last half a century? That kind of stuff is a big part of why. Well, you mentioned it within the LBCC thing, the fact that the Moore League added beach volleyball. That's not a thing other leagues have. You know what I mean? There's only a handful of places uh, in high school. In, it's in not an official CIF sport yet. Either. Not an official yeah. CIF sport. And, and, you know, Long Beach has been on the forefront of a lot of that stuff. I mean, they had, you know pretty decently organized lacrosse before it was an official CIF sport. So they're doing that with beach volleyball because they have a place like LBCC. So it's it's a bit of a Legos. You know what I mean? You can't make a castle without multiple pieces, and there are multiple pieces in place where the city of Long Beach can actually do something like that and put together a beach volleyball league that quickly. You can see the preview for that at the562.org right now. Mike did a great job on that because we love doing those articles where it's like, hey, this is brand new. But again, the reason why it is a volleyball city is because it's brand new, but it's not. Right. You know what I mean? It, it was ready so for true. this. You mentioned Misty May Trainer. Like, this city has the history, so it can catch that new wave whenever it comes through. And, and for it to be to, for it to be uh, beach volleyball is just, it's perfect. It's perfect for this place. It's, per- it's perfect for the sport. And, you know, it's really perfect for the Moore League because Moore League volleyball is already so good. It's only going to get better now. Uh, I, I've, I've said this before on this show. I think some of the most underrated athletes in the history of the world are beach volleyball players. Seriously, next time when you're in the sand, try to run and then jump as high as you can. Just no ball, no net. No, 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 just try no, no, to no, do no. That. Try, Number one, just try and run. <laughs> yeah. And then number two, try and run and then change direction. Well, actually, I shouldn't even tell you to do that. Because yeah, you're you going to tear your yourself. ACL. Like, you really don't even attempt yourself. to do yeah. it. But I, And I will say, as we talk about with volleyball watching some of the kids who are new to it. And that's been one of the things that's fun about beach volleyball is they don't even have a frost software JV level yet for the more league. So it's just literally these kids out there trying it out. And you see the girls who are doing it for the first time and you realize how much that, how much athleticism basic functionality in that sport requires. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I mean, I'm laughing with some of the girls about this. They're like, I've been playing club volleyball since I was six years old. I have never had a workout like messing around out here for 20 minutes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the high school boys as well, if you're looking for a, a team to watch right now at the high school level, the Wilson boys team coming off a dominant championship season last year. They've got some uh, some great individuals, but more importantly, a great team going over there at Wilson. And we also mentioned the fact that the men's volleyball team at Long Beach State has been fantastic this year. As Number two in the country. Last few years. Mike, you've been to most of those games. Uh, like I said, back-to-back this weekend. Friday night, Saturday night, 7 p.m., Walter Pyramid. Long Beach State, Hawaii. It's been the match that has kind of decided the Big West, which has then gone on to decide the national championship over the last few years. Obviously, we lost one with the COVID year and everything like that. But uh, Long Beach State, Hawaii volleyball, long history between those two teams. And even some uh, some controversial history. Very quickly tell a story. Last time Long Beach State men's volleyball was at Hawaii, it was during COVID, so there weren't uh, fans allowed, but they were doing the piped-in noise, right? Just so happened that the piped-in noise through the PA system was getting louder when Long Beach State was serving to the point where it was getting turned up right as they were about to hit the ball. Alan Knight, not one to mince words, Told the, told the Hawaii brass and anybody else who would listen on the floor, 
And since there was no fans in there, you could hear him yelling pretty loud, I was told. Uh, <laughs> that it was unfair that the noise was louder for the... So there's, there's a, a rivalry there that not a lot of people talk about. But when they play, and like I said, the crowds are going to be amazing this weekend. So get out to see it if you can. Uh, when they play, it feels like a rivalry. Well, look, and you know, Alan Knipe is a Greg Popovich or Bill Belichick disciple when it comes to quotes. Like, he's not going to give you any quote for the preview about how much his team wants to beat Hawaii. He and you know what? He's also genuine in saying where they really do prepare for every team the same way, all that kind of stuff. Which is right? how you get great. But let me let me give you a story. Uh, you know, as you guys know, my wife's family uh, on her dad's side is from Hawaii. Um, we took the kids back to Hawaii a couple years ago, right kind of during the height of the, um, the, the Long Beach State Hawaii stuff when Long Beach was number one in the country, right? And we visited the University of Hawaii, beautiful place. We connected with Drew Bugs, who we covered at Poly, who was on the basketball team there at the time. He opened up Stan Sheriff Center, and Vinny came in. I went in with Vinny, and Char and Maya were there. And we just shot around. And it was just, you know, the kind of thing when you have kids and you're traveling and you can make those connections, you do it, right? Special time for me and Vinny. Vinny's trying to guard Drew Bugs one-on-one. Drew's crossing him up. Super fun time. A couple players from the Hawaii men's volleyball team come in. They see Vinny and I wearing Long Beach stuff. And they fully started kind of chest-outing at Drew Bugs a little bit. Like, who are these Long Beach guys? Like, you let, <laughs> you let Long Beach guys in the Stan Sheriff Center? You know, like... That's the level that you're talking about, that there really is some some not great feelings in both directions <laughs> from those programs. So no one's going to talk about it. They're going to be too smart. I, you know, they'd maybe help us and ESPN sell the, the matches a little bit if it they would, would talk about it. <laughs> but yes, number two, Long Beach versus number four, Hawaii. Uh, they will be in the Pyramid Friday and Saturday. If you cannot make it out, it will be on ESPNU Saturday night. You're not seeing a lot of men's volleyball on ESPN. That gives you a sense nope. of, of how big that matchup is, how much history it carries. I heard Mike Seeley's going to be on the call on that ESPN match. I might DVR it just to watch it after I cover it. Big time, baby. <laughs> big time. Um, so, but yes, that's the level of, uh, of play and rivalry that we're talking about. And, uh, and that's kind of why we're talking about volleyball, because I think we're just all pretty geeked up for that. You know, I know you got to talk to Mason. You're going to get to cover the Friday match. I'll be covering on Saturday. Um, and I'm glad it, I'm glad we get to spread it around a little bit because that team is of all the programs at Long Beach State right now and even kind of within the city, it's just sort of you know it's just different. You go to a practice for a team that has legitimate national championship expectations every time that you're there over yeah. a five to six year period. It's just a totally different thing, and it's so fun to be around. Just that level of expectation, you know, more than anything else. But that is what we've come to expect in the city of Long Beach with that sport. All right, Long Beach volleyball community, stand up, let people know, share this podcast, leave a review, do all the things to make sure that people know this is a volleyball city, and enjoy this weekend. We have got the best men's volleyball in the country in our own backyard. If you can't get out to Walter Pyramid, follow us on Twitter for the live updates, obviously on Facebook when we post the stories, and always at the562.org and on Instagram and everything. So make sure you're following along this weekend. Make sure you're following along with all of our local sports, high school, college, and otherwise. We're actually gearing up for the Grand Prix. It's right around the corner, guys. Buzz, buzz, buzz. So get ready for everything <laughs> Long Beach sports with us at the562.org. And obviously thank you to Long Beach Post for helping us do this show as well. We will see you in the stands this weekend, you guys. Take care. Mm.